Welcome to Spotlight Conversations with voice talent and DJ Donna Reed. Donna talks music and media from her sunny linoleum-free studio. Come on in. All right. We are in the studio today with Sean Ross of the famous newsletter, Ross on Radio. He has 35 years of radio and journalism behind him, and probably 35 years of radio and journalism ahead of him. He's the former radio editor at Billboard magazine, uh, currently a consultant, a researcher. Thank you for coming in today. From, the, from northern New Jersey. Northern New Jersey. I love it. A lot of snow today, I bet. Little bit of snow, foot or so. How did you get this love of music? Where did it start? It was always around. My dad worked in radio. My dad was public affairs director for a chain of R&B radio stations. Mm -hmm. So first radio station I loved was WOL Washington, D.C. in the late 60s. Okay. Um, After that, I was DXing, listening to out-of-town stations to hear baseball games. Then it switched to Top 40 in the 60s and 70s and went from there. Now, there have been a lot of changes in listening to radio. The listening habits, where do you see them going to now, how people are listening to music? You know, it's changed just a little bit. Uh, you know, I continued to listen to music on AM and certainly continued to listen to music on AM as a regular thing well mm-hmm. into the 80s. So uh, I continue to hang in with broadcast radio. I always find stuff that I want to hear. I am happy to have you know, so many options on the so-called infinite dial where you can use the internet and choose from every radio station right. in the world. Um, you know, I've been listening to WXPN in Philadelphia this week because they are counting down the top 2020 of all time. Do stations come to you and they don't know how to do the top songs of all time, the top Christmas songs, the top rock songs, and they just say, can you just do this for us and figure it out? And how do you start? What do you do first? Well, I've worked in radio research for the last 20 years, and you're not necessarily trying to put together a countdown, but Mm -hmm. you're trying to help somebody put together a music library. And typically, you will take somewhere between 500 and 1,000 songs, uh, and you will play the hooks, the choruses of those songs for people. You will try to find people who are representative of the audience or the audience that the station wants to mm-hmm. have. Um, you know, and and from there you try to you know I hope you know use some combination of art and science in figuring out what people want to hear and what songs people remember. What inspired me to you know, write this series of articles where we look at Lost 45s and mm-hmm. which songs hung in over the years and which songs don't? Because you, know, you still hear Brown Eyed Girl on the radio, yeah. but you don't hear much else from that week in 1967. Uh, and... You know, part of, you know, part of what I found, you know, songs don't endure mm-hmm. uh, because people didn't necessarily hear them equally. You know, a number nine song can 
can be Brown Eyed Girl or it can be a song that you never heard again the day after it fell off the charts. Right. Do you think that'll change where there'll be songs that 40, 50, 60 years later, a new audience can be found? I think some songs do come back into pop culture. Mm -hmm. I think they're the exceptions. If you look at the popularity of Dolly Parton Jolie now, Mm -hmm. it's popular among people who certainly weren't even alive when it was a new song in 1973-74, and Mm -hmm. certainly among people who've probably never listened to a classic country station. And and also the ad agency folks, they're younger. They're hearing this music somehow or another because they're incorporating that into to advertising too. Right. These and these songs take on a life of their own mm-hmm. through advertising, through movie placements, through appearances on talent shows like The Voice and American Idol. Now, when you hear a song in an ad, what do you think? Sometimes I think it's great that that song has has a new lease on life. I never resent a song for being used in an ad unless they completely misunderstood. Mm-hmm. Right. Any particular song that really you think is used very well? I don't know if there's been a recent example of a song being given a new lease on life, but you know there'll be another one tomorrow. Definitely, oh for sure. You know, Jolene is the best, most recent example, but you know, but there will be another one tomorrow of you know a song that some music supervisor found just you know going through a bunch of random compilation. Right, right. Formats are changing too in radio. Would you agree? And and what are those? Which which ones are those? Well, um, for a while, probably about ten years, ten years ago, um, the big cube-driven formats, the formats with the largest audiences, were the one considered to be the healthiest. Top forty classic hits, the format that some people still call oldies. Mm-hmm country, adult, contemporary, classic rock. Uh, we're seeing, you know, as listening habits change, you know, because of quarantine, mm-hmm. um, you know, we're seeing that people are not just listening to, you know, the big top 40 formats that you listen to for eight minutes. Suddenly people are starting to listen to classical again. Suddenly yeah. people are starting to listen to classic country in some places. You know, places, you know, where you're not listening for eight minutes to hear a couple of hit songs and then come back a few hours later and hear two more hit songs. Uh, Suddenly, formats that people can listen to all day have an advantage again. I don't think radio listening will be the same as it was a year ago. I think there will be more radio listening. I think people will be back in the car. I think... Mm -hmm. Mothers and daughters will be listening to the radio again. When moms and daughters could agree on the hits, and the hits were pretty good, uh, right. it, it allowed moms to basically model radio for their kids. Isn't that true? And, yeah. you know, and these days, you know, the, you know, a 40-year-old woman doesn't much like what's on the radio, and she's not inclined to put it on for her daughter. And, you know, her daughter, you know, back when they were still in the car together, was sitting in the back seat listening to her earbud. I don't think anyone feels really good about the state of current music at mm-hmm. this moment. Mm-hmm. Better country, it's, you know, it's better in rock a little bit. Mm-hmm. 
you know, for the most part, you know, current formats have been you know, have been really hit hard over the last year. Yeah. It will be interesting to see how and when those change, and some of it depends on how and when the national mood improves. Where do you see radio as far as the folks playing the music in five, ten years from now? I think there will always be somebody talking over the intro of a record. I think there will always be a demand to turn on and hear, you know, turn on something resembling a radio and hear someone giving you local information and talking over a song. Uh, I don't know if that will be broadcast radio. I don't know. You know. One of the you know dismaying things has been how much people have needed local radio during the pandemic, and you know, radio has had its own pressures and has continued to lay off people. Uh, has not been able to offer the level of news and information that say you know, stations in the UK continue to, or stations in Canada. You know, people still want radio to be radio. People still want radio to offer companionship. People still want radio to offer personality. Uh, people still want radio to offer information. And a lot of our heavily leveraged broadcasters were no longer in a position to do that, even before mm-hmm. the pandemic affected advertising. I think there will continue to be the need for that, and the question is, is it going to be broadcast radio that offers those things? Is it going to be Apple Music? Is it going to be Spotify, which just debuted a morning show? Is it going to be some platform we're not even thinking of now? I hope that you know whoever does radio, as we know it, is smart enough to hire them. I think that people who've done radio have more expertise about doing radio. I think people who've done music research and have done you know traditional radio programming for the last 40 years know more about how to play the hits and more about what music people like. Um, than a lot of people in the pure plays, but you know whether they will get these jobs. I don't know. I hope they do. We're talking to Sean Ross of Ross on Radio. It's a newsletter. If you're in radio or if you're in music or you're just really interested in everything that goes on in the business, you need to subscribe to this. And if if people listening want that, how can they find you, Ross, if they want to get your newsletter? We're going to talk about that in a minute, too. Best way to find me is on Twitter at Ross on Radio, all one word. Uh, you can go to my bio and sign up for the newsletter. The newsletter is free. It comes once a week. It talks about some very inside the industry type topics, but it also talks about a lot of fun music things. The Top 100 Lost Factor, Songs of the 70s. That was a recent newsletter. Lost Factor is a way of looking at some of the songs that were big hits and sort of calculating the distance to between how big they were then and how big they are now. And there are always a lot of songs that aren't quite hits, the songs that get up to number 11 or number 15 or number 20, and they go away, and it's no big deal because they go away instantly. I was kind of looking at, you know, some songs like You Light Up My Life, 
number one record for ten weeks, you know, the number two record, I think, for the, for the year. That was a big record that you barely hear on the radio now. Gets you know um, all around the country on those stations that are used to make up the charts. It gets maybe ten spins. Is it because programmers feel that audiences are burned out by it? Some songs endure. Some songs endure. You know, sort of on a steady progression. Mm-hmm. You you hear them from the you know the day they go out of current rotation, they go into recurrent, and they go into the gold library. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and you know when top forty is done with them, they go to AC. When AC is done with them, they go to oldies, and you just always hear them. Don't stop believing by Journey. Right. Uh, it's it wasn't you know it wasn't that big a hit. At the time, it was number nine. You know, it wasn't as important in, you know, the oldies universe as it is now. But you, there was never a time where you couldn't find it on the radio. Are you going to do a top 100 loss factor songs of the 80s, 90s, going back to the 60s, 50s, too? If you go to radioinsight.com mm-hmm. uh, and look for articles by Sean Ross, you can find uh, a Lost Factor column for the most lost songs of the 80s. Um, I've done the early 90s. I've done the 70s. I've done the 60s. Uh, next year, we'll do the late 90s and oh, early 2000s. Before you came in, I, I put down a couple of songs. I mean, I could talk to you all day about all the songs I really like that I don't hear on the radio anymore, but I, I put down a few and it's the Buckingham Knicks LP. I have it framed, and I love it. It's the album that came out before they joined Fleetwood Mac. How come that album, which is really good, I've never been able to find it on CD? I'm not. It's funny. I've gone back and looked for that, especially you know, now that Fleetwood Mac is hot again. Mm-hmm. You know, the Buckingham Knicks record, uh, there are a couple of markets, uh, Richmond, Birmingham, where it was right. huge That's right. time. Um, you know, where people you know, know who they were before Fleetwood Mac. You know, that was an album that was never found. Uh, and it was reissued when Rumors came out. I remember that. I... And uh, there's also a couple of songs that I, I like listening to. Derek, Cinnamon, and Smith, Baby It's You. And I mean, those are quintessential 60s songs to me growing up. But I don't hear them. Um, love Derek. You know, Love Cinnamon. You know, those are songs, you know, they stayed around on the radio for a couple of years. You know, Derek was Johnny Simple, who sang mm-hmm. Mr. Bacon, but, you know, he, he never had another big hit in America okay. after that. Mm-hmm. You know, and those songs just haven't been on the radio in a big way for, you know, for close to 50 years. You know, those songs, you know, typically if a song isn't, Top ten, or you know, better yet, top five. You know, it doesn't necessarily go into the recurrence. It doesn't necessarily go into the gold library. So, a song like "Cinnamon," you know, most people stopped hearing it on the radio pretty quickly. So, you know, if you grew up after that, you didn't hear it played as an oldie. Right. 
you know, plus it was bubble gum. You know, it's sort of a Neil Diamond record. <laughs> I, it's sort of a bubble, bubble gum. You know, there was always new and different bubble gum right. through the seven. You know, Derek didn't go into the gold library because, you know, all the jocks were busy playing and complaining about the night <laughs> Chicago died. All right, guilty pleasure. All right, bubble gum. Okay, I was going to put some David Cassidy out there, but I'm not going to bore Sean too much. What did you like to listen to that you, you go, God, that's a great song. How come I don't hear that anymore? You must have one or two. There's a lot of 70s R&B, um, starting all over again by Mel and Tim oh, from okay. 1972. It's a song that you don't hear on the radio anymore. It's it's up there on the lost factor list for the 70s. And, you know, there's nothing goofy or bubblegummy about it. It's mm-hmm. a great song that you don't hear on the radio. And, you know, partially, again, you know, it was a hit in some places like Detroit and Washington in the South, mm-hmm. where, where R&B records did well, and, but it wasn't a hit everywhere. So uh, some people know it because Hall & Oates remade it about 25 years did ago. They? Okay. I grew up listening to radio in the, uh, in the New York market. And I remember hearing the fuzz do I Love You for All Seasons. And I always thought that was a great song, but I didn't hear it very often in other places. Right. I grew up in Washington, D.C., and that was a hit in D.C., too. But, you know, it's the that's the kind of song. It's, you know, it's top five R&B and it's top 20 pop. And it's top, you know, it's top 10 in markets where R&B is popular, but that's not everywhere. You've got some ideas, I'm sure, for upcoming columns for Ross on Radio. Stations of the Year. What is the? How do you qualify somebody for Station of the Year? Is it the staff, the music, everything, or is it one thing in particular that puts a Station of the Year over the top? It's it's what I think is. It's the stations that I think were interesting and different. And, you know, I'm just sort of starting to think about who that was, you know, who that was in 2020. Obviously, everything was up up in the air. There weren't a lot of new stations yeah. launched because people didn't have the budget to launch new stations. But, you know, we've seen this year that there's, you know, an all 90s station in Miami. You know, mm-hmm. I'm looking stations like that that have you know that are new and interesting and perhaps represent a breakthrough in terms of 90s music coming back on the radio the same way 80s music and 70s music did any other columns coming up that you can tease us a little bit about that we can look forward to um, I'm going to be doing a look at radio stations around the world. I'm always oh, giving good. people advice on stations that they might enjoy listening to. I've got statistics coming from the people who do the billboard charts soon, and mm-hmm. I'm going to look at which formats had the most new hits in 2020. Are there, you know, were there more country songs that broke through than the year before or fewer? And how many fewer? You know, it's, you know, this year because radio listening was affected, um, because people were listening to old music, you know, as sort of a comfort food during the pandemic. um, It's going to be interesting to see how many new songs became hits because it doesn't feel like there were a lot of them. Have you ever thought about sitting down and writing a book? 
Um, I have thought about sitting down and writing a number of books, and you know, I probably over the course of the year, you know, write a book's worth of columns. Yeah, I'm sure. Would probably be nonfiction. Would probably be music. You know, obviously, the big interest is you know, how songs stay with people or don't stay with people. Yes. Lost Factor is not currently a book, but maybe it will be. Sean Ross, Ross on Radio, thank you for coming in today. I really appreciate it. There's a lot about radio and music I did not know, and thank you for letting me share my love of bubblegum music. I don't believe in the guilty pleasure concept. <laughs> you know, there's a lot to feel bad about, and music should not, you know, should not be in there. Absolutely. I couldn't agree more. Thanks again. Appreciate you coming in. Thank you, Donna. You've been listening to Spotlight Conversations with Donna Reed. Subscribe on Apple and Spotify podcasts or your favorite platform. Thanks for tuning in.